Now let's pray. Lord, thank you for this uh, time together. May the words that we share together be your words. May the thoughts be your thoughts. And may your Holy Spirit dwell here and tear down the wall between speaker and listener and help us to hear uh, the words of Moses today with fresh ears. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Moses, fascinating man, right? You know, what do you think about Moses? Uh, let's questions. And who was the prince of Egypt, you know? 40 years uh, uh, in, the, in the Pharaoh's household. Who was the answer to all these questions, by the way, is going to be Moses. Ready? Moses. Okay. Uh, who was it after that who went out in the desert for 40 years and worked as a shepherd? Who was it after 40 years as a de- in the desert, you know, taking care of a bunch of woolies, he goes back to Egypt because God wants him to take the, the children of Israel out of their bondage, out of their slavery there? Who was it who wrote the first five books of the Bible? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Who wrote those five books? Uh, you know, and, and yet uh, we don't know a whole lot about maybe at the core of who he was. But in Psalm 90, we have, uh, we have what it says at the beginning is a prayer of Moses. Uh, only prayer I think we have in the whole Bible by Moses. Only time that, that we actually hear, because it says that he would go talk to God like, like he would talk to a friend. He, he would go talk to God like face to face. Um, and what did he say to God? How did they talk? What was it like to talk to God? What was it like to be there uh, when he got the Ten Commandments? When he uh, you know, got those tablets of stone chiseled by the finger of God? What was it like when he came down the mountain with those tablets and uh, saw the people dancing around a golden calf that they had created uh, because they, he had been gone for so long they weren't sure he was coming back? And thought maybe they were all just going to go back to Egypt. And he was upset and God was upset and the ground opens up and 3,000 people die that day when the law was given. How does a man like that talk to God? And you, you see in, in the stories that, that there's these like two uh, alternate, alternate kind of uh, pillars there. One is here's God who is eternal and who has and does always exist. And over here we have uh, a man who realizes his mortality, who realizes that the clock is ticking and time is going by. Uh, This morning was a a little bit of a rough morning at my house. Uh, For one thing, I'm watching my daughter's two dogs while she's in Hawaii. Who do you think got the better part of that deal? and the other is uh, we're watching my, my 96-year-old mother-in-law is staying with us right now. Her husband died about six weeks ago. And uh, today she was crying because just in the last month, her eyes are getting so bad. And she's an artist. She's a calligrapher. And she just can't hardly see to do what she wants to do anymore. And it just gets so depressing for her. So she woke up. I've never seen her cry till today known her for 50 years. Uh, life is so transient. You look at Moses here. We've got some slides we're going to show you here. Uh, because, again, this says it's a prayer of Moses. And uh, uh, the next one is, we look at some verses about him. Deuteronomy 
There's never been another prophet like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. Next one, Psalm 103, the Lord revealed his character to Moses. In the New Testament, Luke 24, then Jesus said, I told you that everything written about me by Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must all come true. There's only one place in the Psalms where Moses writes for us. But Jesus gave a personal attestation. He attested to the words of Moses directly in his words here, Hebrews. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt. He wasn't afraid of the king. That amazes me. I mean, if I had to go, I don't care. You know, God's with me, power, spirit, all that stuff, but I got to go face Pharaoh? And it says he was not afraid. Something happened in those 40 years in the desert because after his first 40 years, he ran away for his life from Egypt. Now he comes back, 80 years old, and he's not afraid of Pharaoh, not afraid of anything anymore. Now, come on, be honest. You afraid of things in life? You have people and places and things and jobs you're afraid? Absolutely. Some of fear is actually healthy for it. Moses kept right on going because he kept his eyes. Think about this. He kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. How can you see someone who's invisible? How can you keep your eyes on somebody you can't see? And that is the whole dynamic of faith and living by faith and trusting and believing at times when you can't see that you know that God is still at work. Well, in this psalm, he begins, Lord, through all the generations, all the generations, you've been in our home. I love the writing of, uh, of uh, Dr. Uh, Paul Brand. Uh, Dr. Brand did a lot of work with people with leprosy. And he began to realize in his studies of leprosy that, uh, that pain is a gift from God. Because uh, the, the description of what leprosy is, is somebody who has no feeling. Uh, parts of your body just go numb and you have no nerve feeling in them anymore. And then progressively they start to die off uh, and, and leave you in a, in a distorted uh, condition. He writes, uh, I remember well when I was at my physical peak, I was 27 years old and had just finished medical school. A group of friends and I were mountain climbing and we would climb for hours for some people where they uh, cross that peak for them life is over. I remember well my mental peak. I was 57 years of age and was performing groundbreaking hand surgery. All of my medical uh, training was coming together in one place for some people when they uh, come to cross that this peak for them life is over. I'm now over 80 years of age. I reverently realized I'm approaching another peak, my spiritual peak. All that I have sought to become as a person has the opportunity to come together in wisdom, maturity, kindness, love, joy, and peace. And I realize when I cross that peak for me, life will not be over it will have just begun. I love his sense of eternity. That this is the great school here. This is the place of sorrow and, and growth and suffering and difficulty and stress because eventually we are created for eternity in heaven and there are some things you can only learn through struggle and difficulty. 
that you can't learn in a place where none of that exists anymore. There's some things you have to learn through sickness and through COVID that you're, you can't learn in a place where there is no sickness. There's some things you have to learn through the struggles of life that you aren't going to have once you get to eternity. The verse says, Lord, you have been our home. He lived in Egypt, he lived in the desert, and he lived for 40 years leading the children of Israel all the way to the promised land. And it always is so difficult to realize that he never got to cross into the promised land himself. He got to lead the people right up to the river that they would cross over, but he never got to lead them over that river into the promised land. In Hebrews, it says, Moses served faithfully and was entrusted with God's entire house. So what he began to see was that your house, your family and everything isn't always a physical place. And sometimes it is, but it changes and it moves. Uh, Before the mountains were made, he writes, before you made the earth and the world, you are God without beginning or end. Again, I think you come to a, a simple decision in life. Where did it all start? Well, there was a big bang, and because there was carbon and hydrogen and oxygen, because these elements were here and they interacted, then everything started. Where did the, where did the carbon and the hydrogen, and the, where did all that come from? Was that just here? Oh, see, I can't believe that God was here, but I can believe that carbon, oxygen, hydrogen was always here. Well, come on. I mean, do you understand it takes faith any way you look at it? Any way you look at it, it takes faith. It's just what you choose to believe about how things were. But for Moses, it was clear that God was the one without beginning, without end, and the one who created, who made this earth. And in in the, the next verse, he says, you have turned people back to dust, saying, return to dust. Uh... I like the story about the kid who was at home and he had been hearing about all this stuff about man was made out of, you know, the dust of the earth and verses like this. And, and he came down to his mother and he said, Mom, I'm really worried. And he said, what's the matter, hon? Well, I was looking under my bed and somebody's either coming or going. I don't know which way. Uh, well, not all of dust, you know, is like that. Uh, but it says, return to dust. When I was sick when I was a boy, uh, especially on a famous trip to Mexico, I came back, and this is what my mother gave me. Anybody remember uh, Keopectate? Yeah, anybody ever take Keopectate in your lifetime? Okay. You ever look at the label? What was in it? Who, anybody know? The number one ingredient was kaolin. Because kaolin sounded so much prettier than saying clay. Kaolin is like a, a white form of clay. And what was in kaopectate, the number one ingredient was clay. And, and, and it's funny, you know, sometimes I think, well, maybe we are made out of clay more than we realize. But it certainly uh, worked uh, in my situation in those days. Uh, it says, for you a thousand years are as yesterday. God has, has, you know, they're, they're like a few hours. I mean, time, time for God is so different than time for us. Uh, I like Woody Allen. I'm, you know, he's not the nicest guy, but I still like his sense of humor. And 
one of his great lines was, if you don't believe in eternity, you've never spent an evening with a life insurance salesman. You know? And it can be like that. It can just seem like time just drags on for us at different times in our life. It says, uh, for God, it's just a few hours. I like this quote, time is life, nothing more, nothing less. The way you spend your hours and your days is the way you spend your life. And, and we have to be careful how we spend the precious years that God gives to us because we are not uh, in this world uh, given more than just 70 or 80 years of life. You sweep people away like dreams that disappear or like grass that springs up in the morning. In the morning it blooms and flourishes, but by evening it is dry and withered. Funny to think about getting older. I'm 71 now. I'm, you're, I'm the, you're like, I constantly go, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, it was hard for me to come and be here today. You know, it was this or the marathon. I, I just was up and down, but I decided I'd come be with you today and, uh, yeah, in my dreams. Uh, but that ending line about growing up dry and withered kind of uh, affects uh, me and people. You ever been in a nursing home? I'll tell you, every time I go visit people in the nursing home, I think I'm going to start smoking or something. <laughs> I don't want to live to be that old. It's just too depressing, you know, to see, to see where you're headed. And, uh, and it, it goes by so fast, life does. And it says, by evening, dry or withered, nobody on his deathbed, the famous Peter Lynch quote, ever said, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. And yet, we work so hard. I, uh, when you confess your sins, my biggest sin, as a pastor for, you know, 50 years, I was a workaholic. I really was. I, I had meetings just about every night. I had meetings all day long. I mean, when I was pastor at Whittier, we had 50 people on our church staff. I had a lot of things to manage and take care of and I can look back now and realize I was so determined to make that church grow. And I mean, you know, frankly, I, we started with 800. I left, we had 3,200 people every Sunday. I mean, it worked in a human sense of it. But who paid the price for that? My wife and my kids. And if I have uh, grief about anything in my life, it's the opportunities, especially with my kids, that I missed. It's the soccer games that I missed. It's the, the school activities that I missed. It's all that stuff I missed because, see, I was, I was a man of God. And that was everything. And, and they, you know, paid the price for that. And now I live with the guilt of old age, of uh, the regrets of what I did. So when I see you guys with your kids, don't, don't do it. Just don't do it. It'll eat you up later in your life. Give them the time. Give them your lives now. God gave you those gifts from heaven. You know, uh, enjoy them. I know sometimes I got a three-year-old grandson, and this kid never sits still. Never. Never stops moving. And, but I look at him, you know what? And I've seen kids at Children's Hospital LA. I've seen kids at Chalk. And I've seen kids who can't walk. And one of the hardest things for me is to go through the children's ward of the hospital. And see all those precious little kids who are suffering. Be glad that God put a little wiggle in their butts. Be glad that God gave them a little bit of life. Even though I know it's hard to deal with sometimes. 
because the alternative is just not a very good alternative. Nobody ever wished that they'd spent more time in the office. Uh, go forward again. Uh, are all the activities, there's another quote, stream, scream for my time really essential? Am I missing the burning bush by trying to keep the lawn cut? You know, remember for Moses, the transformation in his life was he was out in the desert and all of a sudden he saw a bush that was burning with fire, but it wasn't consumed. And he went over to see what it was and told to take off his shoes that he was on holy ground and in that fire, in that divine fire. You know, Bible only says three things about God and what God is. It says God is, is love. It says God is, uh, is a righteous fire, you know, and God is light. But fire is one of the attributes the Bible says about who God is. Um, it says that he comes to that, but am I missing his presence and his revelation to me? Go forward now, verse seven. Uh, we wither beneath your anger. We're overwhelmed by your fury. That's the fire part of, I guess, who God is. Verse eight, go again. You spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. Why should we confess our sins? Because you know what? There's no surprise parties in heaven. God knows everything. You know, they can't, they can't ever have a surprise party with God. You know, think about that because he, he knows it's coming no matter what they do. There, there is nothing because he knows everything about you. He knows, you know, you can turn the lights off. You can turn the music louder. God still knows what's going on. And it says uh, he sees all of it. Uh, Robert Russell says, love ad ad admits the truth and begins to erase it. Admitting your feeling is the beginning of healing. Uh, verse, uh, next verse, we live our lives beneath your wrath. We end our lives with a groan. Great to look forward to, huh? But you know, one of the things I've realized as I get older is you really do need to enjoy the good years you have. The Bible says, you know, uh, enjoy the years with, uh, with the wife of your youth uh, because, you know, there, there are a lot of things in life that get a lot harder as you get older. Uh, three years ago, I had a total knee replacement on my right knee. It was just starting to get better, and I was going through an intersection, and a guy ran a red light and totaled my car. And ever since then, the right knee just has never felt right. Just it's tight all the time. It, uh, I can't walk very, uh, about two blocks is about it for me, and I'm, I just can't do more than that, you know? And friends, I wish I had my knee back, you know? You've got good knees, you've got life, you've got things. Enjoy it, enjoy it uh, while you can. It's a gift from God, but it's not gonna last forever. It, it says life ends with a groan, and I've been there. I've been there 10 years ago when my father died, and I heard my father breathe his last breath. I was there four years ago when my mother died. I was there and I heard the death rattle as she was fighting to breathe. I was there as she said goodbye to this world. And ending with a groan is a good description of how it ends. Uh, verse, uh, the next verse says 70. Let's see, how old did I say I was? Anybody remember? Oh, 71. 70 years, oh Lord, it's over. <laughs> Are given to us. Some may even reach 80. Well, come on, Lord. My mother made 92. I'd like a little longer to watch those grandkids grow. Uh, you know, some may even reach 80. It says that we have a limited... Think about all the science, all the technology, everything we have. And here's something that was written thousands of years ago and really hasn't changed that much. 
what's average life expectancies? And like, I think for, for people, it's right around 75 on average. You know, it hasn't changed much over the, over the millennium. But even the best of these years are filled with pain and trouble. Uh, soon they disappear and we're gone. Here's another quote. Uh, we are always complaining that our days are few and acting as though there would be no end of them. And I think it's like a week, the Academy Awards, you know, come. And usually at the Academy Awards, there's somebody that goes up there to get some kind of an award in a wheelchair, you know. And you realize, oh, okay, they're realizing this person's dying, so they're going to give them a little, little kudos and a little bit of a prize, you know, to say thank you for being a good person over your lifetime. Uh, we, we act like there's not going to be an end to life, but it does come. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Again, how many people died the day the law was given? Ground opened up, 3,000 people. Who understands the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear you deserve. Teach us to make the most of our time. The old one version said, teach us to number our days. Uh, a couple of months ago, I just got out my calculator. In fact, if you're bored with the sermon, you can do this now. Get out your phone, get out. And just uh, figure out how many days have you lived so far? You know, 365 days a year. You've got to figure something there for leap year. But how many, how many days have you lived so far? You know, th- a lot more. Thousands and thousands and thousands of years. You've lived, uh, days you've lived already. It says, you know, be aware of your life. Uh, be, be aware of the limitation of it so that we may grow in wisdom. University of Maryland did studies together with the, uh, go forward one, with the California Air Resource Board. How do 18 to 64 year olds spend on average their minutes every day? And here's what they found out. What's the number one thing we do? Sleep, work, watch TV, housework, traveling, eating, socializing, recreation, caring for kids, 28. Yeah, some of you are like, yeah, that was this this morning, you know. Dressing, washing, grooming, reading, conversing. We talk 24 minutes a day to people. That's not thinking or relaxing, nine minutes a day. The Bible says, you know what? Stop and think about the number of your days so that you can grow in wisdom because we're not doing it very well. We spend nine minutes a day thinking deep thoughts, thinking about life, you know, uh, Another quote, let the year be given to God, John Dunn here. In, in its every moment, the year is made up of minutes. Let these be watched as having been dedicated to God. Uh, when was the last time you just consciously were in some kind of a self-improvement program where you were designing a certain amount of time every day to work on, on growth, whether it's reading some kind of a book whether it's listening to podcasts, where it's doing something to help you think and grow as a person. Because, you know, that's what we should do in the limited days we have, okay? Um, it is the satisfaction of the small that the hollowing of the large, go forward again, is secure. You, in valuing every minute, you kind of make sure that your life has purpose and meaning. Then finally here, oh Lord, uh, come, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. 
A lot of times, uh, here's one of the great prayers of the church. You ready? I want you to say it with me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Again, the whole thing now. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Again, I think I told you the lady goes to the photographer and uh, she's going to have her picture taken. She wants good pictures. And the guy says at the end, okay, I'll try to do you justice. She says, I don't want justice. I want mercy, you know. Uh, I want glamour shots. I want really good pictures that make me look good, you know. Uh, we all want mercy. None of us ask for justice with God. If, if we ask for justice, we'd all be dead. It's mercy that keeps us alive. It's mercy from God that, that helps us to function. Take pity on us. In your wrath, remember mercy. Satisfy us in the, in the morning with your unfailing love, your never once failing love, your never quitting love, so that we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. What, here's a question. What's the music in your soul today? Blues? Rock and roll? Ska? Rap? I mean, what, what, where is your soul at today? Patriotic? Sad songs? What, do you, what, what is it? Satisfy us so that we can sing for joy. Would you like to wake up singing for joy? How many of you woke up this morning and said, good morning, life, it's great, I love you. Yeah? You know, one. Uh, I woke up and I said, oh, good Lord, it's morning, you know? <laughs> Satisfy us in the morning. Give, the, give us gladness in proportion to your... The form, to our former misery, replace the evil years with good. There's a great verse in the Old Testament that says, "Replace, take, repay the years that the locusts have devoured, uh, and let us see your miracles again." Go forward. Uh, he's got a problem now because there's a whole new generation that's come up, and they don't—they weren't there when the Red Sea was parted. Uh, they weren't there to see the manna come from heaven. And the, and the grouse to come for protein. They weren't there to see rock uh, producing water in the middle of the desert. Uh, and the rock rolled after them as they traveled. The rock, first rock and roll in the Bible. The rock actually rolled after them so that they'd have water wherever they went. Oh God, you know, let our children see you work. Let our children see you do something. Last Sunday, I was at a church in Hemet for the last service of the church, 28 years old, down to less than 10 people. And uh, the church just decided that there was really no future for them as a congregation. Everyone else had left and gone other places. And so they decided to close the church. And I was there as one of the speakers at their last Sunday. I showed them a video of your church because uh, they turned the building over to converge. And we'll sell that building, we think, for about $2 million. And I said, I want to tell you what we're going to do with your $2 million that we get out of this. We're going to create churches like this one. And I showed, it, I showed a video of your church and said, this is what's going to happen as a legacy of this church, even closing, that we are creating a movement of church planting in Los Angeles 
that I believe is going to be dynamic and continue to be growing for years. And I can't tell you how comforting that was for them to see you. Uh, because in a lot of ways, you're the hope that good things will come out of some of the bad things that happened there. And then he closes with, uh, with, this, with this verse, 17. And may the Lord our God show us his approval, make our efforts successful. And then what does he reiterate? Yes, make our efforts successful. I want you to catch that. Is it okay to pray to God and ask for success? Can you pray for a successful home life? Can you pray for a successful marriage? Can you pray for success at work? Can you pray for God's blessing and what you do with your work? Moses did. God, show us your approval. Make our efforts successful. Isn't that a beautiful sound? Isn't that a beautiful sound? My dad used to say, it's good to see the church growing, even if it's only seven pounds, eight ounces at a time. You know? <laughs> Let's just pray. Let's just close in prayer. And I'd like you to pray for your efforts to be successful. I want you to pray what Moses prayed. Give us your approval. Make what I'm doing successful in this world in those 70 or 80 years of life I'm given. I want you to pray that God would make this church successful that God would bless this place, this location, that people would come to meet, know, and follow Jesus here. Pray right now. Father, thank you that we have someone who cares about us in every area of our life. And because I'm here today, I especially pray for Christ Church of Los Angeles. Here in the shadow of Griffith Park, I pray for great things. I'm sure Ken and others here have great dreams, great hopes in their hearts. I pray that you will uh, make those dreams eventually be seen for being too small because you're going to do great things in this city, second largest city in North America, and you're going to start a renewal and a revival right here that will impact this whole place. Grant us success. In Jesus' name, together we said, amen. amen. Now, when you take your communion stuff, I want you to kind of wiggle that part a little bit because then that loosens up the top piece, the cellophane, so you can pull that back for the bread and get that ready. The Bible tells us that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. It's in the seats. Take the bread up. The betrayer, Judas, has already left now. He's got the rest of the disciples in the room. And he's trying to prepare them for what's going to happen at a deeper level. And he says, uh, this is my body. Now, it's not literally his body because he was standing there in his physical body when he said that. But he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this every time you eat it. 
to remember. Remember is an active word. Remember what I've done for you as you take the bread and eat it now. After supper, he took the cup and he said, uh, this cup is a new promise between God and people. And this promise is sealed with my blood. So every time you drink this, I want you again to remember that it was my blood that was shed to bring you and reunite with, with God. Every time you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until the day the Lord returns. And that's the day we look forward to. Thank you, Father, for what you did for us on the cross, what you did for us in leaving us a way to remember your sacrifice. We pray a blessing upon each of our lives now that we would go out and in fresh ways try to live as your people now in Jesus' name.